stole Amber's pizza? Who did it? Plus, the cutest first date we ever did. See, Esther is kissing Josh and has no idea why, samesies. Emmy drops a banger. The challengers go Tokyo drifting, and Corey and Tori are so bored they have to talk Fessy and Josh into fighting. It's the challenge, Spies, Lies, and Allies. Episode 6 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge past, present, or future. If it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very much for being here with us today. On today's pod, we're discussing all things episode six of Spies, Lies, and Allies, which Unfortunately, it was only a 60-minute episode, not the full 90 minutes we've been accustomed to this season, and even more, unfortunately, left us on a cliffhanger, and I hate cliffhangers. We'll talk more about that later. Regardless, it was a good episode, even if it ended a little bit too early, and there are plenty of things to discuss from it, so discuss them we shall. As always, our agenda is the following. First up, a Cliff Notes recap of everything that happened during the episode. Then we look at the entire episode through the lens of the main storyline. Follow that by a look at secondary storylines, which is a segment we may retitle to little things we noticed because that's more fun. After that, an examination of the sporting events, or in this case, event of the episode, only a daily, no elimination on this one. And finally, some awards and predictions at the end. Before we, before we begin, I will learn to speak before we begin. But before we begin, one housekeeping note um, to touch on. I am a bit under the weather, which is why this podcast is coming out a little later than its normal drop time. I was hoping that an extra night's sleep would help my voice get back to its regular nasaliness, but alas, it did not. So if I sound a little bit extra nasally or different than normal, it's because someone wasn't taking proper care of their body and got himself a little sick. So I appreciate you bearing with me on that. We will be back to our regularly scheduled time slots of Tuesday afternoon and very early Thursday morning next week. For next week's review preview on Tuesday and episode recap late Wednesday night, Thursday morning. So thank you for bearing with me on the tardiness here. With that, let's go ahead and dive on into this episode. Alrighty, here we go. So starting things off by recapping everything that we just saw. Get your brains wrapped around all of the plot points that went down in that 60-minute episode. As fast as we can, cliff note style. Here we go. Three, two, one. Everything that happened on episode six. Back at the house and new friendships are everywhere. We've got Ed and Logan trusting each other. We've got Huey confiding in Big T. CT mentoring Emmy who wants a new partner and I wonder who she wants to pick. And Josh and Esther seemingly best friends now. More on that in a second. Because first, Casey takes Nani on a super sweet date. She's got flowers. She picks her up at her room, takes her to the cabana in the middle of the pool. And it's all just lovely. Back to Josh and Esther, though, who are now making out in the bedroom. She has no answer for why she likes him. Literally none. On to the daily challenge. It's called Turning Agents, where the teams are strapped to the top of cars that then drift in circles in front of a semi-truck with a code on the side of it. They have to figure out the four-digit code, put it in a lock, stop their time fastest to do so wins. In heats of two, everyone goes. And by the end of what is a pretty cool challenge, the top three teams are Josh and Ashley, 
Esther and Fessy, Casey and Manuel. And eventually, Casey and Manuel are revealed as the winners. First win of the season for them. They are now in power as the agency. Back at the house. I mean, Huey know they are probably going in and are good with it because they hate being partners and want to pick new ones. Anyways, fellow rookie Jeremiah also feels like he's going to get chosen. He's also cool with it. The rookie's just continuing to completely give up in this game. We head to the bar where everyone is having a great time. CT announces the challenge unplugged, and the whole house cheers on as Emmy sings an acapella version of her new single, Alien, available on all music services now. So go take a listen. It's an absolute banger. Support Emmy. Josh and Esther then cement their romance by making out in front of everyone, which bothers Fessy a little bit. We also learn that Esther and Berna, among what seems like most of the girls, think Amber is fake and are kind of tired of her walking around talking about being blindsided all the time. Once back from the bar, it's feast time for these drunken challengers. Frozen pizzas are being cooked one after another until, uh-oh, someone ate Amber's pizza, and it's the only one she wanted, and now Corey and Tori, purely just out of boredom and wanting to stir up some shit, blame Fessy for eating Amber's pizza. He didn't do it, but now she thinks he did. Those two eventually get in a shouting match about Fessy blindsiding Amber a few shows back. Corey and Tori continue to egg it all on. They bring Josh into the mix. Josh and Fessy exchange word. Esther throws a drink on Amber, and the episode then ends as Fessy open-hand shoves Josh's face away from him, leaving us in suspense as if he will get eliminated from the house for this action. And that's it. That's where the episode ends. A lot packed in to that 60 minutes, but that's everything that went down. So now that we've got it all refreshed for us, let's go ahead and hop on in to looking at this entire episode through the lens of the main storyline. With this episode, we got the episode that we thought we were going to get last week. This episode's main storyline all the way through was the Big Brother breakup. Now, two episodes ago, we ended with Fessy throwing Amber into an elimination, which she won and came back in the house, but it caused a huge divide between Josh and Fessy, and there was this huge fight on the podium, and we thought last week's episode was going to be all about this Big Brother breakup. And then it kind of wasn't. They kind of put that to the side momentarily and gave us the Gabo and Logan episode, which was fantastic. And obviously we talked about all that last week. So we then came into this episode and they kind of just picked up where they left off two episodes ago, essentially. It was almost like uh, nothing else had happened in the house since that time. And we get the full Big Brother blow up, break up, everything Big Brother Alliance related between our four key players of Josh, Fessy, Amber, and to some extent, Casey as well, still a part of this, a part of that Big Brother alliance. So the episode really focused on them. Let's walk through the episode through the lens of that Big Brother breakup and what we knew and learned about it and thought was interesting or worth commenting on throughout the full episode. So the whole thing, as far as this story is considered, kind of kicks off right at the beginning when we find out that Josh and Esther are super good friends. We get a scene uh, with them kind of chatting each other up, sitting real close. And we learn or are told via what they're saying on the screen and then also in the interview room that these two have kind of gotten close over the season. They're really good friends in the house. And I had literally written in my notes that during this first that first interview where Esther has to say, or has to, uh, spoiling my own notes here, where she says that her and Josh are close. I literally wrote my notes that it looked like a hostage video, that she didn't know, she didn't want to be saying this. And I thought this is complete bullshit. This is Josh just saying like, me and this person are close and that person being asked about it and saying, sure, we're close. 
Um, but then I had to write down pretty quickly after that, wait, I was wrong because then Josh and Esther end up making out in the bedroom, which on what seems to be, um, I got to give them both credit, uh, assuming this wasn't edited in any sort of funny way. And this was actually happening during Casey and Nani's date out on the cabana with everyone else out there watching that date go down. Um, you know, these things are edited across multiple days. Who knows if any of this is happening at the same time, but the way they made it look like Josh and Esther took advantage of everyone's occupied with this thing going on over here. What if we just sneak over to this side and make out in the bedroom? And so I guess I was wrong. These two are close. And then wait, maybe I was actually still right because then in the interview room, Esther is then asked, um, about making out with Josh and asked directly, why do you like Josh? which her response was, quote, honestly, I don't know if that's all she had to say on the subject. Um, and so my guy, Josh, just always taking shots, even from those that he's cuddling up to making out with befriending in the house, uh, taking almost side-eye shots at him. So uh, God love you, Josh. Um, bringing the entertainment as always. So he and Esther are now, I guess, a thing. Um, and that we will get to later on becomes known to everyone, um, but definitely complicates the whole Josh and Fessy on the outs and Amber on the outs and kind of team Josh versus Fessy. And now Josh is making out with Fessy's partner, Esther, who he's got, who Fessy's gotten close with. So just complicating things further and seems a little bit targeted if we're being honest from Josh, but you know, it makes for a good storyline. So we've got Josh and Esther together. We then get a moment of Amanda and Fessy, who we talked about on the review preview show. Now, I guess this is just, maybe they did this on their own, timing up what's happening in the real world today, present day moment, months after this was filmed with what's going to probably be shown on screen. But Amanda and Fessy in real life are now dating and going on vacations together. Um, and in the show are seemingly back together because she's, hanging out with him up in his bunk bed. And we see him later in the bar, uh, you know, kind of close holding each other while they're watching Emmy perform. So they seem to be back on good terms in the challenge in the world of the, or the time span that the show is taking place. But we get Amanda telling Fessy, she should apologize um, to Josh, trying to give him some good advice. Like, Hey, you know, one for you as a person with your friend, maybe you should do this also for the game purposes. Maybe you should do this for you, for me, for everyone. Um, good advice from Amanda. You should apologize. Fessy and Fessy doesn't understand why. And Amanda nails it for him perfectly and encapsulates everything that's been going down, really the crux of what's been going down between Fessy and Josh. When she says, quote, he feels like you don't listen to him and it's not fair, end quote. And she nails it. I would assume, I think we talked, brought this up on previous podcast, I think two weeks ago when this happened, Josh blowing up at Fessy on the podium didn't I mean it had you know the direct reason for it was throwing Amber in, but it wasn't even so much that it was you know what are you doing throwing Amber in? It was what are you doing yet again not listening to me, not taking my feelings and my game into effect, and we're having conversation after conversation, and you tell me one thing and then you do another, and we're supposed to be boys, and you kind of just think of me as a second class citizen compared to you. And definitely, again, you know the edits are the edits. Uh, it definitely seems that way. Like, you know, Fessy and Josh are legit boys on and off the show. But when it comes into the show, Fessy kind of could care less. Josh is just a guy who is, you know, his ride or die. That'll ride or die for him. But he's not going to send that back. 
necessarily if it isn't exactly what he wants to do or what he thinks is best for his game. And I think the whole thing between them is just simply that Josh wants to feel heard and seen by his best friend. And Amanda nails it in this moment and tries to convince Fessy he should apologize, which we think after seeing this, oh, all right, maybe we'll get, you know, maybe we didn't see a big big brother blow up last week because maybe it never happens. Maybe Fessy goes and apologizes to Josh and we get a little hug it out moment and everyone's fine and we move on. Not the case. Not the case at all. Um, we first go to the Daily Challenge, which uh, Fessy, Casey, and Josh, all on their independent teams, end up in the top three. And for once, um, it doesn't happen very often that almost, you know, without a doubt, you can guess, you can basically say there's a commercial break every minute of this show because MTV packs in the commercials. But um, you can predict when a lot of the commercial breaks are going to be in every show. And almost every single show, there's always the commercial break immediately at the end of the daily challenge when that TJ says, you know, this person and this person and this person did the best and the winner is commercial. And it's always, you know, it's meant to be this suspenseful moment. And sometimes it is not suspenseful at all. Other times it is very suspenseful. This one was one where it was actually legitimately suspenseful because it was just perfectly lined up that Fessy, Casey, Josh, all in the top three potentially could win. And who won? has big ramifications for where this eventual blow-up between all of them goes. So, uh, you know, hats off to the challenge producers for getting a getting a lucky one on that or getting things just to kind of really line up well for them to get that moment of suspense. I definitely, in that commercial break, was rooting for Fessy or Josh to get the win and was very much not wanting to see Casey and Manuel, who did get the win, get it. Only because no, no, you know, shots at Casey or Manuel, um, who have proven themselves to be a team to be reckoned with as expected. But I feel like Casey with the win, how is she going to handle it? Is she going to take any shots at either side? Is she going to fully go Team Fessy as it seems like she has in this whole dust up and disagreement and be like, you know what? Screw it. I'll send Amber back in. I'll send Josh in too. Let's just get rid of this. Um, I don't think she's going to do that. And everything we saw from her and Emmanuel talking afterwards, um, she hilariously <laughs> um, noted, which might show you how team fessy she is. She noted, you know, do I want to be the first vet to take a shot at another vet? It's like, dude, we've been over this. Fessy already did that. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was a funny little small comment from her as her and Emmanuel were out talking post win back at the house. But, I was definitely in that commercial break rooting for it. Let Fessy or Josh win. Let one of them take the shot at the other. We didn't quite get that, but we did get some suspense between them all competing at a high level. We then head back to the house and eventually to the bar um, where we find out, one, Fessy and Amber haven't spoken since he threw her in, which I've got a lot of questions about. And maybe, maybe I shouldn't even say a lot of questions. I have one specific question about that. How is that even possible? You are locked kind of locked in a house or on a property together. At this point, there's, what, I don't know, like 24 people left or whatever, 22, 24. So still a good amount of people, but like you don't have phones, you don't have computers, you don't have anything other than just working out and hanging out and chilling. And there is no way that you have literally haven't spoken a word. How do you even, how is that even possible? But um, I guess it is. I guess they have yet to speak literally a word to each other. Um, so we find that out. We also find out during the bar night that the house is very much turning on Amber. And this, an interesting development where, you know, last week, the only thing development we had in this storyline of the Big Brother breakup was that kind of everyone immediately after the elimination took Fessy's side and at least all the other vets. And we're like, hey, 
no one no one was bothered that you threw Amber in. Josh was a little out of hand there with how crazy he went, and you know, like we're all good. No, no one, no one's upset. Casey is still your number one, and the rest of the vets, like we're good. Not no one's no one's concerned about this, and that Josh ended up being the one kind of on the outs with Amber out, you know, outside in their little notebook moment in the rain. So we had that last week, and then we get kind of even more confirmation this week that somehow after Fessy blindsides Amber, throws her in, Josh goes crazy on on the podium. After that, Fessy's kind of still in the clear, and not only is people turned on Josh, but people are turning on Amber, who keeps at least the way we are being shown it going around and can't talk about anything other than how Fessy blindsided her, and it's now been, you know, I would assume at least a week in the actual challenge house, so a week of hearing this and still talking about it or whatever. Everyone is turning on her, most notably Berna and Esther and Priscilla and, you know, the rookie girls kind of aren't. That's their first impression of Amber. They're not really enjoying this whole, you know, playing the victim about this and just not stopping talking about it. They're calling her fake and the whole house is kind of turning on Amber, which was an interesting development and a good, good for, you know, Team Fessy and Casey and the rest of the vets, really, if, if the one that Fessy took a shot at is now getting alienated further amongst everyone. Um, and then the last note on the bar night is that Josh and Esther go public by making out in front of everyone. And yet again, Esther in the interview room is like, I don't know what I'm doing. I got to stop, stop being messy and making these mistakes. Um, so that was hilarious all in all. Um, but now Fessy knows my partner is making out with the guy who I just kind of turned against and am fighting with a little bit. And that all leads to the end of the episode, the pizza party and the eventual fight. Now, it's got to be said, and it'll be mentioned a few times here, that this fight only ever happens thanks to Corey and Tori. Corey and Tori, uh, while not on anywhere near on the level of a Bananas or a Wes in the past, are at least doing the, what some could disagree, but I would say is the proper veteran moves of being a little bit of a producer in the field and a little bit of, you know, this shit's boring. Like, what? we got to do something. Like, we got to pop this off one way or the other. And if we see an opportunity to stir the pot, to rile someone up, we should take it. And Corey and Tori don't just step up. They go all out. First, we get Amber. Her pizza's gone. She doesn't know. Who ate my pizza? That's the only one I wanted. And uh, with respect, I, I forget and I did not rewatch this portion of the back and forth. Um, if there was any, you know, allergies or if she's vegetarian vegan anything anything of that nature that would mean that like yes she really only can or wants to eat this specific pizza for any of those types of reasons which if that is the case um take everything i'm about to say uh and just erase it from your memory because it's not fair um but on the on the off chance of what they kind of put across of amber is just like i wanted that pizza and there's like 10 other pizzas and everyone else in the house is like, dude, there's like 10 other pizzas and she just can't get over the fact that there's not another pizza in the house. You got to calm down, my friend. Um, that definitely sucks. Someone, you make a pizza, someone takes it, you're drunk. Yeah, I get it. Very upsetting stuff, but probably shouldn't have led to everything that it led to. But anyways, so she's a little upset. Corey and Tori see the opportunity and they say, screw it. Let's tell Amber Fessy stole her pizza which they just start yelling and yelling and yelling. They keep telling, they bring Amber over the Fessy, like, this guy did it. He's very clearly and genuinely like, just like, no, I did not eat your pizza. These guys are just trying to get us mad at each other. And like, what? And then Amber quickly turns to, well, now we're talking. So why don't we talk about that thing we still haven't talked about? 
They get into a verbal argument. The whole time, Corey and Tori are yelling it on, egging it on, can't get enough of it. And when Fessy and Amber starts to die out a little bit, when the embers start to cool there, Corey and Tori do what any good vet would do and say, you know what? You know what this situation needs? It needs Josh. Why is Josh not here? Why is Josh not defending Amber's honor? Why are Fessy and Josh not fighting right now? They go get Josh. They bring him in. And the two of them exchange words. Uh, There was a bunch of them thrown back and forth. My favorite back and forth between them was Josh saying to Fessy, yelling at Fessy, quote, I'll make you look like the big bitch that you are, which... The, please let these two let these two go in elimination versus each other. If if we have to sit through all of this Josh versus Fessy nonsense and drama, at least give us the payoff of these two actually facing each other. Fessy follows up that big bitch comment with "Who's gonna beat me? You?" Which just perfect. Um, I believe Fessy throws in Josh's elimination record of one and nine, which is what Fessy says. Not sure if that's fully accurate. Don't have the stats in front of me. I don't think it's one in nine. I don't think Josh has been in 10 eliminations. He's only won once, but I think he's lost four or five times. But um, but anyways, they go back and forth. And then we get the final shot of the episode, the shove and the cliffhanger. Fessy and Josh, they kind of put their hands on each other's chest a time or two. Security's there, kind of breaking them up. A couple more words are exchanged. And Fessy decides to open or open hand push Josh in the face, a little shoved in the face with an open hand. And that is where our episode ends. And so Big Brother is completely torn apart at this point. Obviously, whatever ends up happening, Josh and Fessy are not on each other's team the rest of this season, we can assume. Amber is clearly on Josh's side. Casey uh, is clearly, you know, on Fessy's side, or at least up until this very moment. We'll see if that changes. But we get the cliffhanger of, is Fessy going to be thrown out? Um, and during all of this, I somehow forgot to mention Esther throws a drink on Amber in the middle of the whole thing going down, which is a tough, the first tough look for Esther of the whole season. She's been a standout rookie, a standout challenger across the whole season. She's been one of my favorites this season, loving everything from her and got to admit, I love, <laughs> I love from a viewing standpoint and challenge standpoint, someone throwing a drink in someone else's face. Great content. Um, uh, as far as being a human being goes, maybe not so great, but totally, totally, you know, redeemable within the challenge atmosphere. Um, Amber, for her part, handles it fantastically. Everyone, I think there's a few comments like, hey, if someone throws a drink in your face, you got to respond. But like, no, uh, she basically just doesn't respond and just kind of blinks it off. Is like, I can't believe that just fucking happened, which um, props to her for handling herself in that highly emotional way. So maturely. So hats off to Amber. Uh, but that happened, and so we get the cliffhanger. We get the next week on, which we watch um, just because it clearly we needed to to know some idea of where they were going with the story and how it was going to be resolved. And we see that TJ shows up to the house and says, when I show up, it's never good. So is Fessy going to get sent home? Is, is there any chance that they go so far to throw Esther out with him for throwing the drink? Uh, the way we're looking at it from from a historical perspective, it's been brought up throughout uh, the online community uh, very well and quickly. The, the most kind of straightforward comparison that we have to this exact moment of kind of the shove to the face with an open fist, or I keep saying open fist, that doesn't make sense, an open hand, um, is when Anissa did the same thing to Trishel, um a while back on Rivals 2, I think that maybe was. Um, and when that happened, she did not get sent home. Usually 
over the years, although the you know it's gotten a little tighter, a little stricter over the years, it takes uh, a closed fish, a closed fist punch, um, something slightly more aggressive, slightly more injury risk, you know, risk prone, injury prone, um, something a little more dangerous to have happened than this shove. But the show certainly has, you know, softened is not the right word. They've tried, they've tried to just tighten up the screws. And, you know, over the course of the last maybe 10 seasons, half decade here, latter half of the 2010s on on all things. And among them, you know, violence and just how people are treated in the house, mentally, physically, the whole thing, uh, which has all, for the most part, been really, really good. And uh, things that needed to happen for the show to continue to evolve and all good. But with this one, my personal take is if if they throw Fessy out for this, they're, they're one no, like, come on. They got to, I mean, you, you shouldn't put your hands on anyone. And, at, you know, they should get a stern talking to from TJ, which I think they will, whatever happens, get a stern talk to from TJ. Sure, shouldn't throw drinks on people. But if either pe- person gets eliminated for this, um, one, that's a little too far from the show's perspective of we, you, you've kind of pushed it just a touch too far. And two, it's also... And, you know, it may be shitty of me or them, or you may think it's shitty of me or them to think this way or think about this, but, like, it's really bad for the show. Uh, the season is, while well, they don't know this in the moment that they're filming it, but the ratings are cratering. Um, there is a pretty strong consensus amongst fans that aren't totally loving this season with so many new people not adjusting to the change of all these new people very well. And you've got this main big storyline and really... Fessy, as much as I'm on an island of the Fessy fan club, uh, even if everyone out there in the fan community, most for the most part, hates this guy or doesn't like this guy, uh, they I think most are coming around to the idea that he's at least like a half decent villain and becoming a much better at the television aspect of this. Which we can do in a longer discussion on that later. But like, if anyone thinks that he's not good. They're just tired of seeing him. It has nothing to do with, with anything other than they just, I guess, don't like Fessy, the person, um, and don't want him on their television screen. Cause he is great TV at this point. He's doing everything in these shows that we, that, you know, anytime any fan opines for the challenge of old, or I used to love this and this doesn't happen anymore, whatever, like from hookups, fighting, being cocky as fuck, talking shit, winning a bunch of challenges, making finals, but then failing kind of epically in the finals. Like he's, he's checking every box. So uh, this season where they're kind of light on storylines other than just vets versus rookies, they got this big brother thing. Fessy's kind of the, the villain of the house still for the second season in a row. If you just send him and Esther packing, you not only send your one of your biggest storylines and best people on TV for this season home, you also send home potentially if they were to go all the way and send Esther home, like you're sending home your most promising, one of your most promising rookies. For me, maybe my second favorite rookie, uh, Ed's my favorite rookie, Um, second favorite rookie probably, um, and kind of your stand, one of your standout star rookies. So if they send him home, it's going to be really bad for the show, the television show, the rest of the season, which again, you can think I'm a piece of shit for considering that at all when, when considering whether this was deserved to getting sent home, but whatever, I guess if you think that that's what I am, um, but that's fine. Um, so I don't think he should get sent home. I definitely don't think Esther should get sent home. And I think they get a stern talking to TJ lets them know, like you put your hands on someone again, you're done. No tolerance act from this point on. And we move on from it. And it's not that exciting of a cliffhanger 
if they send him home, that's a real bummer. The, the, the outcome we want to see is because we watched that next time on and we saw that part, we also saw on the next time on that hall brawl is due. And that's the elimination we're about to head into, which tells me that Casey, man, man up, woman up, you and Emmanuel, uh, you want to see, I assume, you know, I guess we'll go full, you know, all the way to the predictions here and we'll come back to it later. But I guess if, uh, if they still vote in Huey and Emmy as a house and they leave it to Casey to decide, do we want to do anything about this big brother, Josh, Fessy, Amber, do we want to do anything about it? Send in Josh or the whole house, even better, please, 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 the whole house, why don't you just go ahead and say Fessy and Esther? Throw them in. I don't think the whole house can could throw in Josh because Ashley as his partner, I don't think the whole, the, the whole bets are going to go for that. Maybe they would. Maybe, maybe they're like, whatever, you know, and they do it or they get enough or they rally some rookies, whatever. The, the best case scenario for this would somehow end up being Josh and Fessy in that hall next week. That would be unbelievable. That would really pick things back up with the show in general. It seems like it'd be pretty hard and far-fetched for it to happen. And it would probably, I, I guess I could see the house maybe voting Fessy and Esther in or being convinced to, but probably not because everyone's kind of been on his side of this whole thing. So it's going to take someone rallying the whole vets and some of the rookies to say, let's throw Josh and Ashley in. And then Fessy seeing the hall and telling Casey, you know what? Send me down. I'll do it. I'll do the dirty work here. Send me down. Give me a good female as my partner if this is a two-person thing. Um, so hopefully that's what we see. Hopefully what we don't see, and I'm terrified is going to be the outcome, is Fessy gets sent home, and then it becomes a female-only elimination, and we get Emmy versus uh, pick your pick your uh, you know other female rookie. I guess it would probably be Esther. In this case, if Fessy goes home and she's, you know, had thrown the drink, maybe they put her in there and then we lose one of our star rookies and it's a one person hall brawl. And it's, uh, well, I'm sure that would be, that'd be a fun hall brawl to watch independent of everything else going on. It wouldn't be the ending we want to this saga. So that was way too much time on this Big Brother breakup. It's taken up the whole, the whole of this episode, kind of the whole of this season, kind of squirming its way into being the main story of the whole season. So with that, let's move into... Let's end this portion. Let's move into our secondary storylines, which we're going to kind of retitle secondary storylines slash just little things that we noticed that either were fun and cool or uh, just uh, may have some effect on the rest of the season. So let's move into that segment now. All right. So moving into those secondary storylines, we've got three to touch on here. And again, these are both Secondary storylines now also kind of just being little things that we noticed that maybe have will have an impact on the rest of the season to come or are just worth commenting on that might not get commented on. Otherwise, first one, Ed is priceless. Please, please, please keep Ed on this show for the whole season. Bring him back every season he wants to come back. This guy is priceless and <laughs> just he's he's a perfect member of a challenge house. As someone who totally in the background has couldn't have less to do with the storylines of this episode, yet finds a way to break through with a couple tiny little moments of just clearly the guy's having a great time, and he's making for very fun little small moments and sound bites and things throughout the episode. And that is a challenger you gotta love that can bring a little extra to the table of this episode's got this main story going on. I'm not a part of it, but I'll fill in some of the gaps here. 
with little little fun things. So two of those from Ed, uh, why I say he is priceless. The first one, his quote, that'll come up later, but I make myself dizzy for fun. Sometimes I sit in a chair and spin myself around <laughs> was hilarious going into the daily competition, which yeah, I guess he maybe was the only one there who had uh, maybe Berna too with her circus background, maybe comfortable being dizzy depending on what Berna was doing in that circus background. But Ed makes it clear he makes himself dizzy for fun. So that was not going to be a problem, which was hilarious. And then my favorite tiny little thing that was hard to even notice, but I saw it and then I went back and rewound to make sure that I thought what I thought I saw was what I saw. And that is during the fight at the end of the episode, everyone's in each other's face, the security's in there. And in the background of all of this, Ed is he's either standing on something or sitting on top of a couch or something. He's like a little bit elevated, so you can see him kind of above everyone. He's got this incredibly funny look on his face as he's just watching all this go down in pure glee and excitement of like, ah, it's finally something fun. Like, here we go. Like, I'll, I'll happily like buy my ticket to this. Like, sign me up. And he literally reaches over. Huey is standing next to him. And Huey, without realizing that Ed is doing it or paying any attention to Ed, also with a horrified look on his face, Ed cheerses Huey. He like taps his beer against Huey's um, and Huey like kind of just looks up at him and Ed like gives like a little cheers and then like goes back to staring at the fight. And it's just a perfect little thing happens in the background, but made me love Ed even more, which is probably not possible at this point because my love for him is at 100% um, at this point, as we said, probably my favorite rookie um, at the moment. Then another storyline of the episode, kind of the the true secondary story of this whole episode was this was a little bit of the Emmy episode mixed in with the whole Big Brother breakup. Uh, Team Emmy, full episode about her, starting with her and CT's relationship, which is just a lovely second season in a row now that CT gets this little uh, you know relationship going with someone else in the house that becomes like a standout, fun, warm, fuzzy thing. This last season was he in big T's up and down roller coaster of a partnership and relationship. This time it's he mentoring Emmy and Emmy looking to quote her favorite uncle in the world unquote for guidance. Um, so he's you know been pumping her up a couple different times after daily challenges getting her excited, kind of helping her calm down. She's now, we see in the beginning of this episode, kind of trying to take some of that wisdom from him and enact it. And he's, you know, proud of her for remaining calm and not being so worried about going possibly or probably going into the elimination. He is the MC that announces her and brings her up on stage for her to give her performance in the bar. And we see him, you know, kind of as the proud fatherly figure in the interview room saying how he's, she's really growing on him and this, that, and the other. And all of this, I think, is leading to the fact that Emmy, if she is able, if she does go into the elimination, which she thinks she's going in, she wants to go in to get a new partner, I think she also knows who that new partner she wants is, which is CT. So my guess, an early prediction before we even at the prediction point of this podcast, is that if Emmy does end up going in, and if she were to then win that elimination, she 100% is going to pick CT. He is available at you know for this one to be chosen. And while he might have the power to tell her in advance, like, hey, uh, you know, we're tight and everything, but like, I want to keep my partner. We did see the little tension first start between CT and Berna in the daily challenge. So maybe he's open to it and will, you know, not try to talk her out of it or anything. So 
expect that partnership to come about. If the opportunity for it comes, I think that's about to happen. But love everything about Emmy and CT in this episode. Emmy in this episode, her song is a banger. Again, it's called Alien. It's on all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple, whatever you listen to music. Go check it out. Support our girl. And then our third and final of our secondary storylines and things we took note of is just some editing notes uh, worth pointing out. Three of them, in fact, the first one is CT and Priscilla, both who were no-shows on the first two to three episodes of this season. Like, I think Priscilla maybe was an actual no-show in one or two episodes, zero, zero camera time or interview time. CT hasn't, I don't think, had a zero uh, interview segment or interviews at all on any of the episodes, but very limited and very much not involved in a lot of the story in the last episode and then very much in this one. Both of them have become much more involved, even while not being a part of really the main storylines that are going on, which is just something I kind of took note of from an editing uh, standpoint that it seems like they're starting to get you know, those favorable edits of we need to get these people involved. I mean, the CT one makes sense. He's the biggest star they've got. Um, He looks amazing, which they're definitely keying in on. They're taking every advantage they can of getting him. Uh, They get a long shot of him in Emmy's conversation while he's just in his boxers this episode. The man looks amazing. Um, So they're getting as much of that as they can. He's their star. It makes total sense that they're going to try to get him on camera as much as possible. But even with that said, It seems like the edit is starting to turn in his favor in an interesting way. And same with Priscilla, who has really not been a part of any story at all. Her and Nelson haven't, you know, done anything good or bad in the the daily challenges. She hasn't been in any of the romances, not in the fights, nothing. Um, But she has, even though she was pretty much non-existent in the first few episodes because of that, she has started to pop up in a big way last episode and then again in this episode, getting more camera time, even again as she's not a part of the main story, which is a, a very something just to note, something to be aware of, because usually when that starts to happen, there's a reason for it. And they want us to get to know Priscilla more, and there's probably a reason for that. So she's awesome, one, and I'm glad we're getting to see a little more of her. Uh, but those those two kind of from an editing perspective were noteworthy how they are being put on the screen and when and how much. Second thing, we did have a Bettina sighting. So we can rule out that she's getting edited out. We, I think two straight episodes, literally had not seen her at all. Like literally at all. Zero sightings of Bettina. And the episode before that, really I think the only time we've seen her the whole season was in episode zero, the kind of like the launch special she was shown a few times, uh, just as much, pretty much as anyone else. Um, and then in the first or second episode, whenever we got the thing of her laughing and Corey being shocked by Bettina's laugh, and that was literally the only time we've seen this person the entire time. We found out via Amanda and Fessy on Instagram Live a week ago that Fessy and Bettina were hooking up, that Bettina was giving a bunch of people massages in the house and was clearly, you know, friendly and, you know, out there, a part, a part of the daily routine of everyone, like a part of the house. She wasn't just being secluded off to the side, but it felt like after the last two episodes where we literally saw zero of her zero, zero across the board that maybe she was getting edited out for some reason, unbeknownst to us. But now we get a sighting of her. We get a brief, she gets one little interview spot in one moment at the daily challenge. So not getting edited out. Um, maybe we'll get more Bettina. Maybe we won't. Maybe she's just one of the rookies they chose to, uh, wasn't going to go anywhere and not not to give much time to at all. 
Um, the final then note, we mentioned it before, but I just gotta say one more time, fuck the cliffhanger. Um, while yes, if there's a ch- chance this pans out, if it pans out like we talked about and it goes somehow they end up with Josh and Fessy in a hall together, then that could work out maybe, but the dropping from the 90 minutes to the 60 minutes kind of unbeknownst, I mean, unbeknownst to almost any fan. I know there's, you know, the Alan Aguirre's of the world. Uh, who does amazing writing and recaps of the challenge on Medium. Um, so check Alan out if you don't already. But uh, someone like him, I saw he tweeted, you know, that he knew or checked the TV schedule and knew this was only going to be 60 minutes long. Very few folks are, are on that level. I myself am not on that level as someone who is, you know, as invested in the show as anyone really can be. So I assume 99% of fans had no idea and were as stunned as I was when the episode went to credits on the 60 minute mark and it just on a season that's getting worse and worse ratings and things are not looking good uh to do this and to not stick to the format that everyone you know most fans it's pretty consensus i don't think this is just an opinion of mine it is i share the opinion but i think it is a shared one across a majority of fans of we like the format we want we want the same thing every episode. We want a daily. We want an elimination. And we want the bar in between. We want time at the house. We want more of that stuff, honestly, than, than the sports themselves. Um, and to end on this cliffhanger, especially when we're thinking it's probably not going to pay off in any big, impressive way, um, that's just a bummer. And I don't think is a, is it's just it couldn't be worse for the show um, in the situation they're in with the ratings and viewership and everything. So... Uh, tough look for them. Hopefully, maybe we get the best case scenario out of it. I will have to check um, and see if next week is back to 90 minutes or maybe they're just alternating all the way to 60 minutes the rest of the way out. The season was slated, I believe, to be 18 or 19 episodes. I think it said 19, but we didn't know if that counted the reunion or not. And it would take uh, a few episodes without anyone getting eliminated to get to that number of episodes. So um, we don't like the cliffhanger. That's what it is. Those are the secondary storylines of the week. And now we will move into discussing the athletic events of the episode, which there's only one. So this time, just a daily challenge, no elimination. Let's move in to talk about that. All right. So the daily challenge itself, the only sporting event of the episode without the elimination. So the daily challenge called turning agents. Again, they are strapped to the top of cars where they do donuts in front of a decoder board on a semi. That code gives them a four-digit code to unlock their briefcase and their time. Fastest to do it wins. Overall, um, you know, it was a a fairly good daily challenge. Um, It wasn't one of my favorites. And definitely, I think part of the reason I was maybe rating it a little bit lower is just that I felt like they've actually had really strong daily challenges so far on this season. And this one kind of wasn't on the level of some of the others. And is another, and is one that kind of relies on the gimmick or the hook that they can put in the trailer and just show cars drifting in circles. And that gets us all really excited. It's so cool. It's amazing. And as uh, someone that you got to do it and the challengers themselves, I bet it was super duper fun and really cool. So that part of it was awesome, but they have kind of fallen into this thing over the last few seasons as seemingly their budget is getting bigger and bigger, or they've just found better, you know, car or helicopter guys or gals or whatever who can, you know, source all this stuff, whatever it is, they've really started to rely on, you know, the explosions and the toys and the this, that, and the kind of building that moment that they can put in the trailer so that on the, 
you know, this season on or the full the full trailer going into the season, they could show flashes of all this different wild, crazy, out of this world stuff, make it look like an action movie, you know. But then in the moment, one challenge at a time, it's like, yeah, this one's pretty cool. And, you know, they're strapped to the hood of cars. It's visually pretty fun and, you know, seems a little bit dangerous and exciting, whatever. And again, for the people actually doing it is probably awesome. It is one of those, one of the many ways I grade these is would it be super fun to do? This one, an absolute yes, would be absolutely a blast to do. But beyond the just kind of the singular moment of here's these cars drifting in a circle, it kind of falls a little bit from there and a little bit flat from there. Um, so that's kind of my overall grade for the challenge itself. Visually, very cool. Would it be super fun to do? Absolutely. It was pretty fair across the board. There's no way in this one, you know, sometimes we can dock points on if, you know, uh, certain, you know, the drivers in this one, I guess, could have an effect on how are they, you know, are they driving the exact same for everyone, which seems like, yes. So pretty fair across the board, but it was a little bit kind of gimmicky and it was also potentially really easy. Um, and so my overall grade is probably a B minus for this daily challenge on the really easy front. I am fascinated. Uh, all of these, I wish we could get you know the all twenty two film, if you will, of these and just see beginning to end every single run. Like, what did this actually look like without any editing? How long did all this take? And with this one, I I just want to know how long it actually took. Was this over super fast? Were some of the teams, you know, the winning teams, was it? you know, 30 seconds where they went by that semi once or twice, got their numbers and boom, done. Was it like six minutes? I assume it has to be on the very short side because this would get super dizzy and nauseating and someone would have thrown up if this if this was something that like, yeah, the best time was six minutes long and some people took 10 minutes or whatever, that someone would have probably thrown up or, you know, given up or, you know, called like, I'm done, I can't do this. Can you stop the car now? I feel like I'm going to vomit everywhere, whatever. So I'm assuming it was on the shorter end. Um, it makes me think that after the first group or two went, I still, I couldn't fully put together how the code worked. There was four symbols. It looked like, um, and some of them were blue, some were red. And on each partner's briefcase, it looked like they're like little symbols on their briefcase. One partner was blue, one was red. And I think though, without having rewatched and kind of frozen it and looking at the boards, you know, super in depth, I'm pretty sure the whole thing was just how many blue squares are there on the top row? How many blue squares are there on the bottom row? How many blue, red squares are there on the top row? How many red are there on the bottom row? And those are your four numbers. Um, I'm going to have to go back and figure out if that's actually what it was. Because if so, it was really easy. And I think some of them did it really, really fast. So overall, kind of a B plus of a daily challenge. Two other notes on it. One, Mother Nature either clearly hates the challenge or my conspiracy theory of them pumping in rain is... Correct, because it's raining again on this daily challenge. I cannot believe it. It just keeps raining every daily in elimination, one after the other after the other, all season long on this season, last season, total madness before it, and they just can't avoid the rain. Um, they at least are in a warm weather place this time, and I know with COVID, you know, they have to pick their places very specifically and where they're able to do it. They don't have, you know, the world to pick from like they normally do right now, but Man, they've got to be desperate to find a place that's not just warm, but also just, you know, like quality weather for a decent portion of the season. I don't think my conspiracy theory that I brought up a few weeks back has any actual legs because it wouldn't make sense to me why they would have it rain, <laughs> pump in fake rain every daily challenge or elimination. The eliminations, maybe it kind of adds some drama, but 
uh, I don't know, every time it rains, which seems to be almost every episode, uh, I think that maybe my conspiracy theory is right. And maybe I'm not as crazy as I think. I probably am either way. But uh, that was one note. The final note that just from a competitor standpoint, how everyone fared, uh, worth noting that CT and Berna not working super well together. And there was the first uh, kind of in the interview room, CT mentioned, you know, me and Berna aren't really talking during this one. And I'm not loving it. Um, Emmy and Huey also very clear as predicted on the review preview show. We thought they would be horrible together as partners and just weren't a match for being quality partners. They both can be quality players individually, but not necessarily together. And we learned that right away. Uh, it'll come up in the quote of the week. But Emmy, Emmy wasn't loving Huey's communication. Huey asked Emmy afterwards if he was a good partner to her reply, her reply without getting emotional or anything, just very deadpan, straightforward, no. Um, so they need new partners. That's That was clear. Um, Emmanuel continues to perform well. He gets that first win. He, alongside Casey, get that first win. And he's really kind of showing out from the rookie standpoint. And then otherwise, there wasn't a ton to learn. This wasn't a, you know, a, it was just kind of a gimmicky challenge where it's like, can you not get dizzy and figure out a number code rather quickly? And so a, kind of a puzzle, but a little bit of a gimmicky puzzle. So it doesn't tell us a lot about much of them, it doesn't allude to, you know, the more we're trying to learn about some of these rookies and even, you know, younger vets that we don't know as much about, don't get a lot from it. So that was the daily challenge. Um, bummer that we don't have an elimination, but looking forward to getting to see Hall Brawl next week. Again, hope it's a banger. Hope it's a good one. Give us a two-on-two. Give us Fessy versus Josh. Uh, but that was the daily challenge. Uh, B- minus overall in our notes on that. So that then takes us without the elimination right on into our final portion of the pod, and that is the awards for the episode. Awards time. We have five awards to give out, as always. Best strategy, worst strategy, best quote, best moment, MVP. So starting with the positive on the strategy side, the best strategy, three nominees. First one, very quietly, but Priscilla was mentioned earlier on this podcast of starting to get a little more shine. She mentions herself in the episode that she plays the game of a silent assassin. And so just learning a little bit more about why she has been in the background. It's how purposeful it has been and how kind of she's picking the right rookies is from a competitive standpoint to befriend and be really close to. She is the rookie kind of closest to Big T, who is the vet, the most likely to be broken, you know, break off from the vet alliance in completion um, at some point. So I like where she sits. I like the little bit we learned about her game. And she's nominee number one for best strategy of taking that silent assassin approach and trying to stay in the background off the radar and allow everything else to happen around her, but not to her. Second nominee, CT, for continuing to build up his rookie friends. I think this is the third episode in a row now where we found CT having a new a new rookie that we find out that he's kind of befriended and are, you know, starting to trust each other, like each other. This one, Emmy, we had Huey before. Um, and just CT at some point, I don't, I mean, who knows? These, these vets could end up just being really, really dumb and never targeting CT at all. But I assume when we finally get through all the rookies gone and we finally get through whatever happens with this big brother blow up, that the vets are not going to just let CT go all the way to the final without at least at least thinking about throwing him in. And at some point, he knows that this game he plays of be in the background, be in the background, be in the background, at some point, he's either going to have to make a move or avoid the move being made on him. 
that he has too big of a stature for that not to happen at some point. And him kind of rounding up quietly in the background of when these vets turn on me, I need to have a couple strong rookies on my side that, you know, then need a new alliance, need a partnership. And boom, now I've got two or three of them. I can keep my one or two vets that I feel the best about. And boom, I'm still, you know, secure and safe in my spot. So I feel like he's just building. He's just playing a flawless game. He's building really good, you know, kind of contingency plans on the sides while also enjoying himself and making some new friends. So CT as well. And then third, best strategy, Corey and Tori joint nomination for making that fight happen and everything they did to antagonize and encourage. Um, strategically, I guess it is actually kind of good and smart for their game to continue to make like, hey, if the vets are going to be targeted here soon, let's get this whole big brother thing blown up in our faces. Um, maybe not actually strategically sound if people, you know, are eventually going to call out like, hey, did you guys really have to, you know, that didn't have to happen. You kind of were actually the antagonizers. I don't think anyone's going to call them out for that. I think they all uh, understand that they were just trying to make great TV. And which is why actually why I put them in best strategy was more of a best TV nomination for Corey and Tori for helping make this all happen um, and kind of expedite how fast let's get this all over with. Let's stop letting it brew. Let's have it explode. And so we can get through it to the other side. Um, so not even really strategy wise, but uh, just kind of, that's the best place I could find for them to get nominated. So Corey and Tori, CT and Priscilla, your nominees for best strategy. I'm giving the award to CT. I just think he's playing a flawless game and we're seeing little bits of it. The little glimpses of that game that we get we're just seeing this guy's a master of what he, of the show at this point. And he's he might not be the one pulling the strings in the house, um, but he is certainly very much 100% in control of his game and comfortable in his game and doing all the things he needs to do to get to the final unscathed. And if he gets there, he's going to win. So CT gets the award for best strategy. Worst strategy, a couple nominees before the obvious winner. Jeremiah is a nominee for worst strategy because, dude, why are you just giving up? Why are all these rookies just giving up? There's no reason for Jeremiah to think that he is going to get thrown in opposite Huey. I get that they think, all right, Huey and Emmy are going in because they're the rookie-rookie pair, and they're probably going to send in a rookie against him. You're one of a couple male rookies that could be chosen. Yes, you're correct. You haven't gone in yet, and that's why he, I think, thinks he's going to is because Manuel is one of the others, but he's in power, and you know Jeremiah's just not connected to anyone super tight yet. Um, and the only one he kind of is, is Amber, who's got a little romance with, but everyone's on the outs on Amber. But they're just giving up and the defeat of just telling Big T like, hey, like it's, you know, I'm going to probably get picked, whatever. That's good. All these rookies need to stop giving up. I get that you're going to go in. Um, you know, it's one thing to take the route Gobble and Logan did last episode and step up and be like, I'm going in, I'm going in, I, I, acting like it's my choice and I'm going to go in confident and try to win. Um, but yeah, just didn't love that from Jeremiah. Um, other one, Big T, Kyle, Josh kind of group, um, kind of group roundup nominee for worst strategy, mostly Big T and Kyle. And then I kind of loop Josh in too because of where, where he's now at uh, as of this episode with the rest of the vets and those that are supposed to be his alliances. But Big T is clearly on the outs with the vets. Kyle has been, he's tight with them, but he's snaky Kyle. And he has been called out once already for making a bad decision and could easily be one of, you know, the next up after Big T on everyone's totem pole of who else on a vet side, vet on vet, would we get rid of? Probably Kyle. There's 
enough rookies still left and all of them have now come to this conclusion of, you know, we're all getting thrown in one by one. We'll do whatever anyone tells us because we're just kind of giving up that this is the moment where Big T or Kyle, really Big T, because she has these relationships with a lot of the rookies, needs to step in and say, you know what, Jeremiah, you feel like you're going to get voted in? What if we get seven people to all on one page and vote for this person in deliberation? And maybe that throws things you know, into another direction because they easily could. They could get most of the rookies probably still to vote for a specific vet and they could definitely get a Kyle or a Josh or uh, a, a vet or two to be like, you know what, if you're going to take the credit for throwing this big, big shot, I will join you on taking that shot. So worst strategy just to them. I feel like Big T was offered this layup as Jeremiah is talking to her of like, Maybe this is the time where we make something happen. There's fractures throughout the house. We do something. So uh, that Big T and then as well as Kyle and Josh kind of grouped in with their nominee as well. Amber, also a nominee for Worst Strategy. Just you got to, as much as it might have just been a, a bad edit, which it prob- probably, excuse me, was. Um, but you got to be quiet about these things after they happen. Yes, you got blindsided. And yes, that sucks. And you should feel a way about it. And you should want to get some revenge. And you should especially want to get revenge because it's actually versus a player who's worth getting out of the game, a strong competitor in Fessy and now Esther, his partner. So all good. You should want to get your revenge. But the way you're going about it is not the way. To keep talking about it, to keep bringing it up, even if you haven't got to talk to him directly about it. It's going to, you know, you're all trapped in this house. It's going to rub people the wrong way. They don't want to hear about it after a while. They want to move on, whatever. So be silent. Be, put it away. Say, we're going to get it back when the time is right. We're coming for him, but we're not going to make a big stink about it in the meantime. So, um, you know, even if this is an unfair nomination because of the way the edit treated her, uh, that she's nominated. But the winner, the winner for the worst strategy is Josh and Fessy, not not the first time they've won this award. Not the first time they've won this award together this season. Um, but, uh, you know, while I'm enjoying the television aspect of it, um, they just, they had such a strong, you know, stranglehold on this game along with the vets and having the biggest alliance within the vet alliance. And they're just squandering it um, for no real great reasons. We've still not really been given a good reason from Fessy why he targeted Amber and, you know, we know Josh, as we talked about earlier, probably the reason it's so upsetting for him is just that Fessy's not listening to him. They're supposed to be boys, whatever. But strategically, they're kind of blowing it. And they're putting targets on their back when they absolutely didn't need to. And both of them could have very easily skated to a final, potentially. And now maybe one of them still will. Maybe Fessy won't be there next week. Maybe he gets sent home, whatever. But they win the worst strategy because this is just, this is how you squander a really easy, good season for you in the middle of it um, is by doing stuff like this. So... Best strategy, CT. Worst strategy, Josh and Fessy. Best quote of the week. We've got seven nominees. We've got first, Emmy on CT, saying that he's her favorite uncle in the world. This comes during the the whole, uh, you know, when he's talking her up, getting her excited back in the room. He's, you know, basically naked the whole time, which is the cameras loved. <laughs> we loved as well. But uh that, that quote, we'll hear it here from Emmy herself, was amazing. So take it away, Emmy. No, no, no. I think he, I, I like the new attitude. Like, like, whatever comes my way, comes my way. I listen to your advice all the time. I have one uncle in this competition, honestly. Sometimes I feel like I'm lonely. I feel like I'm too different and I cannot stick in any group. Since I was a little kiddo, 
I was bullied, but I feel like CT is the realest OG in this game. He's my favorite uncle in the whole world, and it's also a lot of respect for him. Then we've got Huey, who describes what it feels like to be on top of this drifting car in only the fashion that Huey could. So take it away, Huey. I'm feeling like Batman, I'm flying, I'm like Rose when she was in Titanic. I just need to keep my brain in this game and get this correct and prove everybody wrong again like I have before. Third nominee, Emmy again, right after her and Huey do, are actually in the middle of while they're doing this uh, daily challenge, her interview segment about how her communication with Huey during the challenge is going. But let's hear that one from Emmy. Me and Huey are not working together at all. Huey is dead on top of the car. I'm just shouting. Huey, tell me! Huey, are you there? Nothing. Huey, can you answer? Nothing. Cut. I'm pissed. Nominee number four mentioned earlier on, but Ed talking about getting dizzy for fun. Let's actually hear his full version of that quote. Here we go, Ed. Sometimes I get dizzy for fun, you know, I'll sit in a chair and spin around. I'm ready. Then we've got Amanda. Never going to take an episode off. Amanda always going to get some good quotes in there. She gets one in here by rebranding both her room and the group of girls that live in the room. Lavender ladies are no more, at least for this season. And in their place, well, we'll let Amanda tell you what their new name is. <laughs> Emmy comes to the Wicked Witch Wing of the West, which is mine, Ashley and Nani's room. And since she might be on the chopping block this week, she deserves to live her best life tonight at the club. And who better to get her ready than the Satan Sisters, baby? Oh my God, that is hot. Really hot. Dude, that. you look really good. You look like a little sex demon. But you can't wear those shoes. No, my glittery boots. Yes. Then our final nominee, we said seven, we've got six. Uh, I just miscounted there at the beginning. The sixth and final nominee, which is also the winner, the best quote of the week, was from Big T. Big T coming in hot in the interview room, or actually coming in quite cold because she almost fell asleep thinking about having to think back to almost falling asleep in the room when having to watch the whole Amber blow up with Fessy happen. She almost fell asleep in the interview room, but we'll we'll let her explain that herself. So Big T, the winner of Quote of the Week, here it is. Sorry, I just fell asleep because Amber's still talking about her situation about being blindsided. Awesome stuff from all of our nominees. Big T gets the win for Quote of the Week for this week. If you think that there was one that was better or deserved to have been on this list that wasn't, please make sure you let me know on Instagram. DM, add a comment to when I eventually post these quotes on there at Challenge Historian. Let me know if I missed one. But Big T gets the win there. Moving on to Best Moment. Three nominees here. First nominee, which is not going to win the award but has to at least be mentioned, is the Pizza Party slash Fight. Um, was it the best moment as far as how everyone in it looked? No, of course not. But as far as a television moment, it was quite good. And it was definitely one of the three standout moments of the episode. Um, the other two nominees competing for the uh, the actual title of best moment of this episode, one was Casey and Nani's date 
everything about it. She shows, I love, I just love that she shows up and knocks on the room. And I'm imagining the curtain, the curtain door that Nani comes out of is always there, but it makes me even more happy to think about maybe that's not always there. And maybe they put that up just so Casey could enact like coming and picking Nani up. The whole thing was great. The setup was great. Shout out to whoever else in the house and producers and anyone that helped Casey pull this off. Obviously, some producers were a part of this, um, you know, to be able to have all the rose petals there and the candies and the food and the drink and whatever. So all of that was great. All of that was lovely. Those two are just wonderful together and separate, but especially together. Uh, two great people. Loved watching that first date. And then the third and final nominee for Best Moment is Emmy's Performance. Emmy, the rock star, Alien. Stream it now. Go listen. It's a banger. And she performs it acapella in the bar. And it's awesome. She crowd serves. Everyone's cheering. Everyone's dancing. Everyone's singing along with her. She's feeling the love. She's lighting up the stage. Everything about that whole that whole little segment of her right before her getting dressed with Amanda in uh, and all the girls in their room and everything about the whole thing was awesome. So your best moment nominees, the date between Casey and Nani, Emmy's performance, or the pizza party slash fight at the end of the episode. And I'm going to go with our girl Emmy because Emmy's performance was wonderful. It was my favorite moment of the whole episode. And also this was kind of the pseudo Emmy episode off to the side as a secondary storyline, as we mentioned, kind of alongside the big brother mess. That is, we got kind of the Emmy episode or the lead into what maybe next episode, if she's in the, in the elimination might be the kind of part two of the Emmy episode. So loved that. Love that she dropped that song for real a day or two ago that they played the actual version of it on the soundtrack of the show. Everything. Emmy's performance was the best moment, which leads me to the MVP of the episode. Nominees are CT, just for being CT and great in the interview room, great strategy, and just being great at being involved, even though he's not involved. Second nominee, Corey and Tori, joint nomination for the same thing as we talked about them in strategy, being producers in the field, trying to give us some drama, and also, I think, trying to get us through the drama as quickly as we can and stop having this thing drag out over time. Third nominee, the full quartet of Esther, Amber, Josh, and Fessy, the main players in this fight that goes down at the end. Uh, you know, they deserve some recognition for providing the main storyline of the episode. But the winner of the episode is the same as the winner of the best moment. The winner of the MVP of this episode is Emmy. She's fantastic the whole episode long. And because we're not going to be able to really separate out a winner of that Esther, Amber, Josh, Fessy was a big joint mess Emmy is our MVP of this episode. We loved everything she did in this one. And, uh, you know, if we were getting a little tired of the Big Brother stuff anyways, um, we're just going to go ahead. Emmy is our MVP of the episode. So those are your awards. Let's then move into our final segment here. Before we finish up, let's power rank and predict moving forward in the rest of this season. Six episodes down, as uh, alluded to before, we believe this is a 19-episode season, 18 episodes maybe, and then a reunion. So a third of the way through, it feels like we're further than that. But we got a long way to go, which is great. Give us all of it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Even if it has to come with some cliffhanger episodes, we'll take it because it means more challenge and we want more challenge. But our power rankings, slight changes from the week before. We're going to keep it still teams for now. And again, these power rankings are kind of more geared toward who's going to make the final and not 100% towards who's going to win. We will kind of shift 
will slide that slider as the season goes on more towards a power ranking, towards winning and earning that title. But for now, as many people are still left as early as it still is in the season, this is more of a who's going to get to that final type of power rankings. And with the tiebreaker, if between people that are close being who might win when they get there. But number one for, I think, almost every week, I think only one week we've moved them out of the number one spot. That is CT and Berna. This is, with all respect to Berna, who's handling herself very well. She's got the romance going on. She's won uh, an elimination in impressive fashion. She's definitely doing a great job on screen. Everything, we, we like Berna a lot, but we would be... We'd be lying if this ranking wasn't mostly based on CT in our just steadfast belief that CT is going to win this season um, and everything we've talked about through this episode, all the episodes. CT and Berna, number one. Casey and Manuel move up to number two. I think Casey's going to come out of this whole Big Brother thing unscathed and be, you know, kind of by destruction of some of her friends, move herself up a little bit in the full veteran totem pole, veteran alliance of who gets targeted when. And they won, you know, their daily this episode, their strong partnership. And even though Emmanuel's shown himself to be a really strong partner, I don't necessarily see him being stolen by anyone with the exception of like, I could see Emmy taking him from Casey because of the Romanian and their friends and everything. But then they'd be a rookie, rookie pair. And I don't think either of them is going to do that. So I don't know that they're going to get stolen. Um, and I just, I like where they're at. So they're number two, number three, Nani and Logan. Nani is just sitting in a great place, kind of skating by to the final, just on being wonderful and awesome and everyone loving her. Um, and so that's great. And Logan, after winning his elimination, now partnered with Nani, is a little more off the radar and is also just, I think, a really under-the-radar competitor as far as what translates to being really good on this show. He's got the athletic background that I think he's going to be pretty solid at the rest of the daily challenges. He's been pretty good so far and uh, is going to could handle himself well in the finals. So Nani and Logan, number three. Tori and Ed at number four. As much as I think Tori's going to get taken from Ed anytime now, um, or Ed, maybe even taken from her, who knows. But uh, for the moment when they're together, I think they're a team to be reckoned with, and they're staying in my top five. They're coming in number four. Number five, maybe a little controversial given the ending of this episode, but on the assumption that he does not get kicked out and that she does also not get kicked out, Fessy and Esther are number five, because I think if they don't get kicked out, they somehow are going to come out of this, not the ones targeted. And even if they do, I think they're strong enough to win any elimination they go in. And they've been doing really, really well in all of the daily challenges. And so um, I just see these two as a really strong team that as much shit is going on around them and that they're causing for themselves. Uh, I'm not moving them out of the top five until they're actually eliminated, because I think they're really strong and going to be really hard to beat for anyone in any a daily of elimination and maybe even a final if your name isn't CT. So that's your top five, CT Berna, Casey Manuel, Nani Logan, Tori Ed, Fessy and Esther. Finally, predictions. This on the recap episodes, we make predictions, full season long ones. We've made seven so far. We try to add one every single week. So just to review what we've got on the book so far, one, Tori has five plus partners. That is still in play. Two, Fessy is the first vet targeted. That one is wrong. We got it wrong. He did the targeting of the first vet. Number three, CT is going to win. Still in play, looking better by the week. Number four, Devin will make it further than Josh. Still in play, looking better after this episode. Number five, Ed will make the final. Still very much in play. Number six, Anissa will make the final, which we made that prediction right before she then got hurt and went home. So we got that one wrong. Second one is wrong so far. Number seven, Josh and Amber will not make the final. 
that one's still in play and looking more likely after this episode. So we've made seven so far. Two have been proven wrong. Five still very much in play. Our new one is going to be adding in that CT is going to be picked as a partner two or more times to come on the season. I guess two plus times in general because he hasn't been picked yet. But I foresee, we talked about earlier, I think if Emmy goes into this elimination and uh, wins, she's going to pick him immediately. And I just see the later in this game goes, more and more people, uh, females, are going to line up to say, hey, all the guys want CT out of here. I want CT as my partner because I want to win the final and his team's going to win. No matter what, who he's with, he's the clear heavy favorite of everyone there. And I want to be his partner. So I think he's going to get picked at least two times as his partner, probably more. But we'll go two plus. We'll add that to the prediction pool and see how we do as the season progresses. So that is all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Again, sorry for the uh, the voice and the sniffles that are going on in the background here. Hopefully it wasn't too unbearable for you. Not a lot worse than normally is. So thank you for being here. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Challenge Historian. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're following or subscribing so you don't miss an episode. As we said, next week we'll be back on our regular schedule where that Tuesday review preview will come out kind of midday, early afternoon Tuesday. And the recap episode will be out super late Wednesday night, first thing Thursday morning when you wake up after watching the show. So follow, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff helps in an immense way. Thank you so much for being here. We will chat with you next week. Until then, peace.